Book Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 32, and our book is Incarnation, the second book of the Horusian Wars by John French. It is about the continuing adventures of Covenant as he chases down the triumvirate. Stop showing off. <laughs> as he chases down the triumvirate on a shrine world. We posted several questions while we ignore Carrie on our address, our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our discussions via Vox Channel, YouTube, or our site. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, go back, check out the book, and come back to this post as we're going to be discussing it from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. First, as always, did you like the book? That's such a loaded question. It shouldn't it be, is, but it? it kind of is. So yeah. what I kind of come up with is that um, while I have a lot of questions, as in what was the point of a lot of it, and I don't feel like anything really happened in the book. At the same time, I enjoyed the scenes. They were still fun little rides. So it's just, you know, yes, but actually no. <laughs> Uh, I think I had to settle on it's just okay. Um, to your point, I liked a lot of the scenes. I liked a lot of the concepts. But overall, I would actually argue the first three quarters of the book don't really matter. Really, the only thing that matters is Inna and Mylasa's story, which we'll get to later. And then, like, what kind of the revelations at the last quarter of the book. In fact... Actually, as I was reading it, I was like, why is this book not just called Revelations? Or would that have been a little too on the nose? Um, because it, they're trying it really, to incarnate the the it, yeah. vessel to take in chaos. It's not the I mean, Perusian method. Of, and kind of like I didn't even really get the sense that that was the point. I They were trying to incarnate questions. something because they were talking about incarnation a lot. They were. They were just. They were, um, and this is proud. This is a joke only for people of a certain age. But at a point, that and Revelation started to feel like Pee Wee's Playhouse, the word of the day. Like when they would say like incarnation or revelation, I half expected everyone to go ah, run around. <clears throat> Cowboy Curtis would show up. Anyways, I forgot about Cowboy Curtis. Anyway, excuse you. How could you forget about Samuel L. Jackson? What? Cowboy Curtis. He was not. -uh, that was not Samuel L. Jackson. No, no, you're right. Sorry, not Samuel L. Jackson. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. It's Lawrence Fishburne. Still, major, major black actor, Lawrence Fishburne. How could you forget about? I thought that Lawrence was the Cartoon Fishburne. King. No, he was Cowboy Curtis, and he showed up with like the. Anyways, yes. <laughs> So, what parts stood out to you? Because I know that we both said that we liked a lot of the parts and less of the whole. But what parts really grabbed you? Um, I mean, there's the, a lot of the revelations kind of mm -hmm. grabbed me. I mean, because I, I was texting you late at night. I was like, oh my god, because there was so many, like, I just did not see coming. Right. Um, and some I did, but not in the actual way that they manifested. Mm -hmm. Um. But I guess the parts that kind of stood out to me is really anything with Judge Orsino in it because she is now my new favorite character because she is, first of all, she's a, she's old, she's a badass, and she's hysterical. 
Did I tell you that I read her voice in Catherine Hepburn voice? Um, because apparently that's just my bad bitch voice. Oh, I read it in Judy Dench. When she executed the um, soul. That's actually was... the part that that I marked in here. Just like when it happened, she's like, sentence of execution reached and carried out. Just like, that just makes all the sense in the world why I just killed this guy. I loved that. And I loved when the abbot was like, you can't, like he starts to object and she's like, do you want to argue? I was like, what was Just it? Like, she said, she said that there are like three other ways, three other ways that could be worse in her judgment or something like that. It's like, okay, just don't mess with this woman, right? Well, and I loved, and that whole scene, because remember the abbot walks in and he sees her and he's like, oh my God, I've never seen an inquisitor. This is amazing. And she's that like, funny. not me, buddy. And then Covenant's kind of a disappointment compared to her. Well, right, because he's just like, oh my God, like, it's just a man. Like, it's no big deal. And I think it's just because she had that you know, her judge's headdress and, and all that. She looked the part. She looked the part, but I did like when he sees him and that just, and I imagine that after a moment, he probably would have had the same real revelation with Orsino, but just the idea that, oh, it's, it's just a person. Like, it's not this angel or saint or messiah figure. It's just a dude or a dudette. Right, you're not getting the else. same, Mm-mm. like, awe-inspiring that you might get from a Primarch. Or like a saint, or even one of the uh, one of the Deptus Astartes, even right. Just this, like, oh, it's, yeah. So I really, actually, really liked that. But that scene when he's like, oh, "This is an Inquisitor," it's like awkward. No, but she has nearly as much power as one. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. And the man, that scene was cold and amazing. She was just like, "I'm gonna fix the problem." Although, well, we'll probably get to this, but I have actually a, when we get to some of the revelations, I have actually a big question about that whole scene, so. Fair, fair. Yeah. All right. So, I'm trying to think, what was the other scene? There was one that, um, we'll talk more about this later, but I really liked the concept of Hesh. I didn't see the point of him. But I liked the concept and I loved that whole scene with him when he basically shows up and he's like, yeah, I am the keeper of forbidden knowledge. And everyone's like, I would kind of, I think I would both want that job and not want that job. Right. But I liked the idea that even like just the way that all of them were like, yuck, like this guy's creepy and weird. And I, it amazes me. I'm continually amazed that in a universe of grim, dark, awful people and awful things, they find new ways for people to be like, ew. On the other hand, I loved the astropath in this book. Oh my god, he was um, sassy and delightful. Oh my god, he was so wonderful. Some of the stuff that came out of his, as I was reading it, I was like, <laughs> the whole time. I was like, he's like, Stop smiling. How do you know I'm smiling? <laughs> I can't just... It's like, I don't need to see you to know. Right. I loved that. He was just kind of generally fun. And, and that's a big thing. I feel like that's a growth moment for me. Since I generally hate the astropath. Well, they are creepy. They're really creepy. I felt bad for them, mostly. I felt really bad for him, especially because they talked about how he's just like this old, frail, like decrepit thing. 
And it was really funny to me when he was like, when Glavius Four Row was supporting him and carrying him. Because I was like, oh, that's kind of an odd couple, isn't it? <laughs> Glavius Four Row was amazing in this book, too, by the way. He remains my favorite character. Oh, yes. The stuff that rep- they're questioning him and he was arguing back. It was it was great. Oh, it was wonderful. So a lot of focus bridging that in a lot of focus in this book was given to his supporting characters. Namely, I would say Joseph, Viola and Cleander and their various maladies and or personality court. Mostly maladies, I would say. Mostly maladies because Viola. She's a drug addict. Total drug. Yeah. Let's just start with Viola. So total drug addict and, inherently kind of a broken person she's more of in classic warhammer 40k style she's less a person and more a tool right and she knows that and it's the reason why you know she's a drug drug addict is because she's actually an information addict like her she can't function without constantly seeing information going in on her on her eye so she has to be on drugs to actually sleep and then has to she has to be on so deep for her to sleep and then she has to be on a whole bunch more to even get up and what a way to live i can't even imagine on the other hand like i can't i can't i can't imagine what it must be like her to be her like have you ever left the house and left your cell phone at home you feel naked and you feel naked and you're just like what do do even though like 20 years ago you were out constantly without a cell phone right but it's just so I can't even imagine if you had basically a HUD at all times and just constant, constant information that, yeah, when that turns off, you would feel. Right. Yeah. So when I was reading it, I was like, damn, lady, like, that's that's really profound. But they they spent a lot of time talking about like how, oh, you know, I memorized all this stuff and I had to learn all of this stuff. And at the end of the book, I remember thinking, that's nice. And? Yeah, so you went to savant school. I think we already kind of knew that based mm-hmm. on how you were last book. But. Right. I don't know how I was supposed to feel. Like when they were talking about all of the stuff and how she memorized and all and she learned all these things. It really felt. You know what this book felt like? Stephen King famously talked about killing your darling. And he would talk about how he would write these cool backstories and these character notes and these little deep delves into the characters. But then he would have to cut them because they ultimately didn't serve the story. Mm-hmm. Parts of this book really kind of felt like they were John French's darlings. Like that entire section with, well, this is how I learned. And I had to learn these little sing songs and do all of this. Cool story, bro. Yeah. And the whole book, I kept waiting for all of that to kind of come together. But then when I got to the last, oh, I would say even 100 pages of the book, I'm like, you know what? I just feel something. We have not come into a point where I know where this plot is even going. Yes. And it was like the last maybe 50 pages, like a plot was coming together. But I was like, there's no way we're resolving this by the end. And of course we didn't. I actually had that same thought when all of a sudden I'm reading... And it's actually at the part where Joseph reveals that he's dying. All of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. They're still outside of the monastery. And I did a real quick quick flip through the book. And I was like, we've got like 
20 something pages left or 30 pages at that point. How the hell are they getting off this planet? I was actually waiting for some giant deus ex machina to swoop in, especially since at that point, or, or like a few pages later, they tell Viola, they're like, we've got, we've got signal from the surface. So I was like, oh, somebody's going to swoop in in a gunship or something like that. Or and teleportation. So what importance does Viola's story have to this story? Um, ma'am. So this book reminded me a lot of Mass Effect 2, which I didn't even think about the shirt that I'm wearing with not now I'm cal calibrating my calibrations shirt, but Mass Effect 2 did not have a good plot. It had no. it had great character development. That's and, true. And that's really what you cared about. And then you get, you know, but there's all this buildup, something amazing happening, right? You're in the suicide mission. I can already hear Jack Wall's soundtrack in my head. And it's just an amazing scene because that's the first time you see if you didn't do certain things, your characters are dying. And it all builds up. And then you get to like the final thing, the big thing. And you're like, seriously, that's what it is. And then you leave and you start to wonder, well, what point did any of that have? Oh, you know what? That's actually a good point. And we'll talk more about this in a bit. But really, Mass Effect builds up all of this stuff just to reveal that the, um, he's not cigarette smoking man, Martin Sheen, that Martin Sheen's not on the level. And you're like, huh, okay. I kind of pieced that together from the, begin the beginning. Yeah, and so then you, and you kind of stop the collectors from building this mm -hmm. uh, human reaper, which was just really far-fetched and kind of pointless like I don't understand what the point of all that was and there wasn't any point basically the point was for you to have this big epic battle mm -hmm. that you could actually lose if you didn't mm -hmm. do a whole bunch of things you could actually die like permadeath um that I the concept so it's like in like this book the concepts are great and the character development is great but you get to the end and you're like well what was that all about like, what does like, that have to do with, like, the overarching story? Right. So let's let's bounce over to Viola's brother, Cleander. Okay, you've got Eldari Tech in you. Weird. I don't see what the Weird. big deal is. That was actually one of my questions. I was like, so Cleander has his Eldari right? Tech. So? Like, on one hand, okay, you probably don't want Eldari Tech in you, especially something that you don't understand how it works. And the Eldari definitely play the long game. So... It's entirely possible that some farseer was like, okay, so this dude's going to end up working for an inquisitor, so we should have some type of bug on him, but... Okay. Like, either either take him out to the shed and give him the old yeller treatment, because you can't pull it out of his spine, or... Okay. Mm-hmm. It almost... I, I'm hoping it pays off in another book. Like, I'm hoping that eventually we get to, like, another book and we're like, oh, that's why that's important. Like, it is, like, an Eldari plot. Surprise Harlequins. Um, God, no. No more Harlequins. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was the whole thing, too, that I was, like, weird. Other than it shows, and this was another thing that was kind of weird, is I was like, okay, are they supposed to show that he's a little morally casual when it comes to the Xenos. Okay, well, he's a rogue trader, so yeah. 
that that was not a shock to me. I mean, this is kind of the tricks of the trade. And the whole story with him and that race of people who had the gemstones, I was like, none of this makes sense. Like him double crossing them to the Eldar. And I was like, this is kind of. I actually like read that like two or three times because I couldn't follow what was going on. And I realized it wasn't entirely me. There were actually some nouns missing in the text. Can we talk as an adjacent side? The editing on this book was, was terrible. Bad. There was there was spelling mistakes galore. Spelling mistakes galore. There was one section where somebody was thinking something, and usually they italicize when it's internal voice. The internal voice was not italicized, and the he thought to himself was italicized. And I don't know if you had this in your book, but in my book, there was a line that was everything, but the everything was hyphenated, so it was like it might have the the manuscript was hyphenated to keep it justified and then they just didn't remove yep. that in the in the actual book. Yeah. There's there's a few things like that. And yes, there were several words missing. So this book I wonder if it was rushed. But yeah, that made it hard and but there's spelling errors in that section made it hard to understand and really I was like none of this makes sense. So you stole this and they sold you to the Eldar but then you double crossed them and I don't yeah, care. It, and in the end, it was like, okay, so long story short, you swindled a whole bunch of people, and now the Eldari, for whatever reason, I'm not understanding how they got you, but they do, and they installed this tech into your spine. Right, well, because the guys, like, for sold giggles. him to the Eldari. Yeah, like, but again, they, they're playing the long game, but all I can say is that better have a payoff in a future book, because that was, I was like, huh, this is a weird little dalliance. Um, but then when you look at Enigirid, right? So then let's finally talk about Joseph, because I know that Joseph is both is one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. And his whole story was I didn't like him as much in this book as I did in last book. Mm, I mean, I didn't feel any different about him. Yeah. I think I think I already figured out that he was dying. I really didn't need them to spell out for Iaso that when they, they, they go back to the scene with him and Iaso talking and she's like, you're dying. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of figured that out. You kind of figured that out when he met with Orsino and she's like, are you okay? Or even before that, when he coughed and he was like, I'm doing everything he could to not cough again. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you're definitely sick something you don't want anybody to know and then he you know fought that guy to prove that he's fine he's physically fit whatever and then he leaves and he almost collapses right like okay so you're obviously not fine you're most likely dying because nobody in this universe ever gets sick and gets better (laughs) no well and I guess I found that really like kind of a just like chewing page space at that point because it was like no we I figured that out I didn't need that spelled out for me and I also kind of what was the point like the the idea of him dying okay I get that that's very sad and I like the idea that he clearly I already inferred that he clearly is just going to keep fighting until he collapses I mean this guy is going to keep going he wants to be there for Covenant and help him as long as he can and doesn't want Covenant to worry about him because Covenant will tell him to stay 
and you know mm-hmm. try to get well or just rest and he doesn't want that and I totally get that mm-hmm. but with this book though is one of my questions here I wrote why have Joseph dying does it even matter and especially since right? the end of the book which I assume did have the volcano finally erupting mm-hmm. no I don't think the whole planet was destroyed at least not yet but definitely the monastery is gone and, I mean, if it's a volcano in the surrounding area, I don't know if you've ever seen a volcano explode, but it, like, goes out. Uh, right. I mean, basically, thing. that continent is fucked, basically, yeah. on that side of the planet. So uh, I can't imagine that him, Agatha, Koleg, Orsino, or Covenant get out of that unless, by a literal miracle? Well, I mean... The abbot came back with a divine mission. Maybe he was able to say, I don't, I don't know. But if he does, if Joseph does die in that volcano eruption, then what did it matter? Right. That he's died. Like, why did I need to know this? So if he did get out, then it will matter. But as it stands now, it's hard to see why that even mattered. And, you know, and maybe... All I will. All the things I wrote down here will all come together mm-hmm. in the next story. Maybe, but this is too many unanswered questions for one story. Very much so. Very much so. I would agree. Because one of my questions I wrote down was, like, first of all, like the Red Pilgrims. Like, what was the point of the Red Pilgrims and Craid? What? We'll talk about that in a second because um, I have the same question. Okay, so like, why destroy the monastery at all? Why would Memnon want to help the Red Pilgrims when they clearly say that they were a surprise? They didn't expect them there. So why would he make okay. those orders to to the bishop to go on ahead and release that? And we're just going to destroy the place, cover their tracks. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the wanderer in general. So he's a key figure in this book. What all of his machinations arguably fail? I don't know. I, I don't know either. Where, I mean, was it even compelling? Like, I got to the end of the book and I was like, I don't even have a clear sense of what you're doing because I had the exact same questions. The Red Pilgrims are a surprise to you, but you kind of want to help them. But then you're also a little surprised. I mean, again, you're surprised to see them. They're not, they're clearly not working with you and they're clearly not part of the vessel. And He's looking for the kid. Remember, he's he's quizzing Zillida what happened to the kid, uh, Anna, and Memnon was. Like, Memnon was, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's asking Zillida about it, and she, which I'm like, but you already know she's off the planet. So what do you care? Okay, so that's the thing. I wonder if he knows. So because I don't think they knew because. If they knew, Idris would not have made her be one of the renewed. So, more about that. So, in the beginning, so, this fun is why story. I had to go back. Like, no, mm. just how you were saying that. Like, so, it's a fun story. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, this morning I texted you and I was like, wait a minute, I just realized something. And I had to go back and I had to reread sections of the beginning because if you recall in the beginning when the high priest, the sorceress, and the wanderer are all talking. They're all in a bar. (laughs) A high priest and a sorceress walk into a bar and the wanderer says, where's the covenant? Um, 
so funny because they're all together anyways um they're talking specifically about the child remember they say they're surprised about dominica's prime like it's there again and they ask about the child and idris slash the sorceress is like oh well no but the child disappeared like we don't know what happened to him and then memnon changes the subject and is like oh yeah but what about your assassin that you sent after covenant and she's like oh she was just some ganger girl it doesn't matter so riddle me this batman was that that did john french forget that he wrote that section or was the wanderer were they basically trying to exit the wanderer stage right because if i have learned nothing about the inquisition it is that these guys are plotting on plotting on plotting on plotting and everybody has a knife at each other's throat oh yeah um, so with this whole thing, did they send him on a fool's errand knowing there was nothing down there just to exit of Sayer right? Because that whole chapter is basically full of them bullshitting him. So, right. But so what I got from from all of that is um, and I have like so many questions about that, too, because, you know, and they find out that it's Argento who comes and takes her before we find out spoiler warning before we find out that the high priest is actually Argento so I guess Covenant didn't kill him like he was pretty darn sure he did um so the guy he was soft dead so anyway right um so Argento took her but then what happened after that because I because they were looking well and, and they see okay well hold on they see the prospect is gonna be Dominicus Prime which they say makes no sense because they know that the child is missing she's not there but maybe she's come back so that's why they kind of go and look so if that's the case if she really did was missing from argento somehow either he knows she's the renewed because i can't imagine idris taking this child that argento would want you know would want this potential witch and making her renewed so jumping forward a little bit into Inagairid's story there I actually wonder if that's exactly what she did because remember she shows up and she's talking with Inna and she's like you know um, she's asking her her name and she says oh well the man gave me this name and she goes yeah I bet he did and he, she and uh, Asia then uh, Inid aka Revelation aka Asia says to her well is the man coming back and Idris says no he's never coming back so part of me wonders if she took the child like what part of me wonders if she saw that the child was super dangerous and brought her Tiago to then make her renewed so that then she's basically blank and she's controlled it oh god I'm about to rec I'm about to reference x3 and okay really so that would actually that would fit in the in that idiom for sure with the whole through the horusian idea of controlling chaos she's basically put on ice and i'm about to reference x3 and i'm really sorry but if you remember and you're in the abortion of a movie that was x3 when they reveal that i hate this i hate this movie so bad in this whole plot but it's similar so it makes sense bear with me here but they reveal that Jean Grey is such an incredibly powerful, potent psyker that they can't really control 
that the professor basically imprisons her within her own mind and puts shackles on her so she can't use her powers. Anyways, the professor would never do that. Um, I've had wine. Um, but I wonder if it's something similar where they were like, oh, we can't control this thing. We need to put it on ice. Or, like, was that something that both Argento and Idris both decided? Or was it just Idris taking taking a look at this and being like, mm-mm, put her, take her out. We've got to, she's too unstable. We need to, you know, blank her, basically. Which is the perfect cover story, right? You blank her entirely, give her some meaningless ganger background, and go forth. Maybe, but then the question is, does Argento know? And I can't see him sending Memnon there to see about prospects if he does know. Because that, what a waste of time, right. which does well, but add again, up the whole book. But Right, but if you're trying to exit him, stay, if you're trying to kill him... Which, it's like the I don't know if they mechanism of assassination. It just dawned on me as I said that they could just literally just jettison out of an airlock and nobody would ask twice. Right, like there was no need to go through these great lengths. Would have made the short story a lot shorter. I don't know. So were they actually looking? Well, I mean, they did say that something was going to happen there, and then when you look at what happens to the abbot something happened yes and just you know, they, they did, thought it was gonna be you know they did find an almost prospect as well uh, let's see. anyway no that's not what i was looking for but uh, trying to find because like i think he says memnon was a great loss and idris is like is he yeah and he was like yeah actually um you know, he well, I think they knew they knew that some event was going to happen, and I don't think the divination is an exact science. Well, no, they just know that something's going to happen. So a, a saint, well, it's not oh. much different than uh, what the Grey Knights use with their prognosticators, right? So, and that I mean, I guess actually that dawns on me. That does ask the question: Was the abbot? I mean, I'm assuming the abbot was a saint, but was he? Potentially the prospect like because they don't really find they don't really find an out, outright prospect right they find the dude they find the prophet of hate the um crowed cred okay something so, like that all right i'm pretty sure argento doesn't know because in in the epilogue um it says, well, actually, no, she's the one who says the wanderer is a bad loss. And, and it's Argento that says, is he? Um, he's like, well, yeah. I think maybe he sent him down there on a fool's errand. He might have, but then he says, no, because uh, she asked him, well, you know, you gave the answer to Memnon when he asked. It is a crucible of fate. Those were your words. Did you lie? Argento says, No. But after the loss of revelation, I just thought it was done. The two went together, child in place. That another prospect should arise there after all this time. For a while, I wondered if somehow she was still there. I don't think he knows. 
So Idris, well, and that's really funny because remember later he's kind of bitching at her and he's like, you could never hide your emotions or feelings from me. Mm. Apparently, Apparently she, she just could. hid a whole child from you. Right. So what's her end game in all of this then? She, I mean, is she a double agent? Because the weird she... thing is, because Argento was a Thorian, I believed. And apparently a Herusian too. Because remember, they actually talked about in the first book that that was one of the reasons that they kill him. That's because he... That he branches from Thorianism to Herusianism. Okay. And he and they're like, oh, that's not good. But apparently Idris was like, that's fine. Or Or is it? I don't know. I have I so many questions. I have so many questions. I'm wondering, to... like, if her long game is that maybe she's not really Horusian, and this whole thing maybe. is a diversion to kill them all. It could be right because I mean, the best place to or in plain who sight. No, who was it who said that? I think it might have been Teddy Roosevelt. But it's better to be inside your enemy's tent, pissing out, than outside pissing in. Which I like feel a like Teddy Roosevelt thing. It sounds like a Teddy Roosevelt thing to say, but it—I mean—it's perfectly right. Like, where else to control these people but then to be on the inside with them? And that, in particular, she's clearly moving some levers. But then also, so is Argento, since I really do believe they—they they knew that an event was going to happen there. The event wasn't quite what they were hoping, so they destroyed the whole monastery. Which, why though? Yeah, what was the point of that? I don't really understand. The only thing is, like, other to, than him being angry because there was or, another inquisitor there, or covered their tracks. That could be. Too, this like, is how they decided to kill Covenant. Mm -hmm. Pretty elaborate way to do it, but you know, omelets and eggs, right? Um, well, that's the Imperium way, to be fair. Right. Let's just kill everybody here. Eh. I just didn't really have a clear sense of what. Yeah, who, what, when, where, why, how? Like, he gets there, oh my god, the kid's gone, the Red Pilgrims are here, Covenant's here, so, eh, fuck it, just destroy the place. Just kill them all. Okay. All at once. The, obviously, the, we can't... They're basically, I think they're waiting for the prospect to appear. It didn't appear, you know, with Memnon's experiments, and they didn't see it appear, so like, ah, just burn the whole fucking place down. Right. Just Peace! Just We're it. out. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, it really is. It's, it's literally just flipping the game board over, right? They right. built a they built a hotel on Boardwalk, and now the game's just done. So I, that was a little weird to me. But let's talk really quickly about the Prophet of Hate and the Red Pilgrims, because it was this constant threat and this. But ultimately, there I was no point to any of it. I didn't think they were even that important to the narrative. No, like, they were. They're not, because I thought that they were maybe working, like, hand in hand, or maybe the prospect they're looking for was going to be this reborn, you know, the true prophet of right. hate rising. Well, we never got to see if he did or not, because the prophet of hate was supposed to rise with the destruction of the monastery. Well, the book ended before we could see the prophet of hate actually appear. Right. And more importantly, they seemed very relevant when... They were going through Asia's story because remember they talked about how there there was kind of this unrest and uprising in the background right 
which so I was like, oh, well, yeah, there was that link to it because that the uh, Crade, the false prophet of hate, the harbinger, basically said that this whole thing started with a false saint's tears, which was Asia's story. That happened at least 10 years ago. The very least. At the very least, right? So not 20 or 100. It's Warhammer 40k, so who knows, right? right? It literally could have been 200 years ago and everyone would be like, seems legit. And we don't really understand how the renewed work either. So, like, I guess I was really surprised by that. Because as soon as I realized that Aesia's story was in the past, because again, I was reading aloud to my husband, I even said, well, what the shit are the Red Pilgrims doing? Is this a second uprising? Like, what is, what is the point of this? Have they just been laying low? Because if you recall, remember they talk about Kraid coming down to the planet in the very beginning. Like, it is entirely possible that he's just been killing for like 20 or 30 years, right? Because they do mention that it seems that the corruption spreads very quickly. Mm-hmm. So maybe this has been growing. Maybe this is a cancer that's been growing. I don't know. Question mark, question mark? Well, it sounds like this is where AC is from. Oh, for sure. Well, so, and, you know, that that kind of corruption that ended up killing her grandfather, those Mm -hmm. horrible people that killed her grandfather, and then, you know, her psychic powers arose at really the wrong time in front of a whole lot of people. Um, So, uh, it just kind of seems like there's something about this planet as well. There's this root there with the corruption. So what a better place right. to build a monastery on top of a volcano covering right. up corruption. Which, that's a theme that gets explored a lot in Warhammer, actually. And I don't know if I'm getting tired of it or if I'm just like... It's like their own Indian burial grounds that they're building on top of. It pretty much is. Thank you. Yes, that's pretty much... I mean, it's... Uh, at this point, I was honestly expecting the poltergeist speech at the end. You moved the headstones, but not the bodies. <laughs> like, there's something cursed here. And okay, but again, and like, right. okay, again, I, I felt like so many of the elements of this book, I found myself going cool. So that was one especially. Let's talk about the real meat of this book, though, shall we? What is the real meat? In a guy read. So it and boy, they they really dragged that one out. Um, right. So my lassa go, which I did like getting a little more of a glimpse into my lassa. By the way, that little sassy interaction she has with Severita, mm-hmm. where she's like, "We can't all be self-loathing." That was yeah. That was delightful. Nice. Like, I always like it when they stick it to the Repentia, because they annoy me. Right. And Severita, too, I did like, though, when she's like, you know that I'm here to protect you, too, right? Like, she's got a point. Um, I found that kind of fun. That was a fun little interaction. But, so my lassa, like, oh my gosh. So, first off, what does this mean for the people who are on board the ship? Because now they have unlocked, they've basically taken an exceptionally potent and unstable psyker, woken her up, and she's on a ship. That seems like a really bad place to have her. I guess they can turn the ice back on. 
That's true. My lasso, though, is she trapped in there with her? Because she's scared at the end when she's like, you're too powerful for me to be here. Well, that, and she gets shot. Yeah, that too. And Nakura shoots her, doesn't kill her, because they deflect, because uh, Val deflected the bullet, and still nailed her in the shoulder, which can still kill a person. Uh, yeah. And they didn't really kind of mention it. Yeah, she's on the ground, they mentioned there's blood everywhere, but, you know, just, eh. They mentioned that the Medicaid and Severita are fine, but they don't mention my lasso. No. That was like, assholes. Because I like my lasso as a character. She's very interesting. There's clearly something awful and tragic there. But Well, she's a psyker with the Inquisition. Psyker, yeah, right. So, True. yes. True. But the fact that she's all shriveled and she just kind of exists in this form, in her mental form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Oh my god. So first off, let's let's start with Did you see that coming? What that what Inna was? Yeah. No. Oh my god. No. It was I like when it all. dawned on me. I think it was the word revelation is when it dawned on me. Now I will say that my last is um peeling her mind like like layers of an onion. Like an those, onion. Those passages were brilliantly written. I especially so love the one that you actually had to read backwards. Yeah. Look, this actually reminded me a lot of the first book. If you remember when that uh, woman starts having the psychic yeah. incident and all of a sudden my last is like, oh, how did I not see this? But the woman losing her grip on reality with the blink, blink, yeah. blink. That was so well done and this was so well done when all of a sudden they're here and then they're here and my last is going you tell me where we are right and this is the whole like retrace oh, your steps God. retrace your steps and i was like well yes it's all oh, coming out well of right. order and then i was like oh wait a minute so then i reread it backwards like oh there we go that's brilliant yeah. so good so brilliant so smart that was actually i put on uh facebook one of my favorite gifts of all time when the guy gets the sick burn in and he's all smug and the guy's like that was me when i read that section because i had the same reaction when i was like oh my god it's being told backward it's like memento <laughs> in a story form um it was done so well and i have to admit that i did not see that coming at all no like just when i think like i said it was that word revelation when it clicked who she mm-hmm. was i was like oh okay because the whole time i reading this these parts of the acia i'm like what the fuck is this why like, do i care who is this and why does this even matter and i just kept hoping that it would and yes it did thankfully and when it did when it clicked together it was suddenly it was very well done like i actually went back and reread some of the passages with ac the italic passages with acia and understood them like i got like a little bit more out of it It's very right. very very well done um, right it, I would once say, you understand that that's in the past as yeah. soon as it clicked with me that i was like because at first i kept thinking i was like oh this is going to be some little girl and covenant's going to have to shoot her and it's going to be really sad and then when it was revealed that it was in us oh shit that was lovely yeah there's there's a few like i didn't see coming like i didn't see argento coming um, that one that one i kind of pegged so moving on to the high to the high priest reveal surprise you 
that one, I'd actually even said that at the beginning of the book, because I don't remember what he said. There's a line. I'll have to go back and find it. But he said something about Covenant. And I was like, hmm, I'll bet you that's Argento. And sure enough, because we knew that it was Idris, right? It was the sorceress. Right. That was already so, declared the, last book. The Bal one, I knew that he was going to be a double agent of some type. Right. I did but too, because he was too he was helpful. I watched enough NCIS reruns with my husband to know that the one guy that's overly helpful always is the murderer. <laughs> well, he was just a little too familiar, right? Yeah. And the scene when he's like, well, why don't you shoot me? Well, you're just not going to do a very good job if you shoot me. I was like, that's exactly what an assassin would tell you to do. So I was definitely I knew he was a, a plant, cross. but I did right. not expect him to be a renewed. Right. When he started coming to her and they talked about how his eye, like he suddenly just goes very cold and monotone when he's talking to her. I was like, oh, no. And then when he pulled the coin out, like, God damn it. I really wanted there to be like some bell viola romance and now you just can't have that because i'm why we can't have nice things now you can't have that because he's a fucking renewed and so here's the other question so you know so nankura you know is memnon's agent and obviously bao is idris's agent who just killed memnon's agent it's like enna is more important than you realize so it's like yeah (sighs) she knows and so that's the only reason why she oh, wants yeah. her back is that you took my toy. <laughs> I need my toy back. I'm not worried about your, what you're going to get out of her, but... Or, or is it that Idris is going to be double-playing Argento, and so Enna is in Covenant's care? Could be. Like I like how I talk could... myself into different theories during this like I'm like I don't think so but no way actually it is because this did happen and yeah it's actually one of the things that I love about when we do this podcast so everybody gets a little theater of the mind here um one of the things or not theater of the mind uh shoot stream of consciousness here Hmm. that I do like that a lot of times when you start talking about stuff so famously when we used to do our comic podcast, I read an issue of a series called East of West. I don't recommend it because it took like five years for him to finish it. I, I don't know if you remember that when I was just enraged about this comic and I was like, what the hell is going on? None of sense. And I started walking through it and then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, it was in the past. Yeah. We were seeing the past. It's one of my favorite things about this because as we start talking through all of a sudden you're like, oh, Tumblr start clicking into place. Right. You know, but we did the same thing, you know, with Spear of Emperor. Oh, as yeah. well and even with lucas oh yeah you know just yeah so it's kind of fun so first first i'm like wait how dumb do i sound but then like no just the more like you talk it out realize like oh wait that's what the brilliance with like talking about books hey we should start a podcast about that <laughs> anyways i kill myself um so <laughs> but yes and that's one of the things like is does that make her like Idris has already told Argento that it's just some ganger girl. Who cares? Does that then make this the perfect hiding place in Argento's little pet, which we're going to talk about more in a second here? Like he's good. It's just some ganger girl. Who gives a shit if Covenant has her? Does that make her that that the perfect hiding place? Again, hiding, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Right. Like that doesn't matter. It's it's just junk. She's a so. nobody. 
Yeah, she's just some gang girl that I picked up, which I just absolutely, again, as soon as I revealed it just coming and picking her up, I was like, oh, honey, you're playing a dangerous game, Idris. But, you know, it was Idris. Man, I wish I had my last, the other book here. Was, you know what? I have my notes. No, I wrote this down. Uh, It was her that said... God damn it, I just wrote down the page number. You talk about, you know, the how basically the Inquisition, because they all have this free reign, and they all have these different ideas on how to handle this free reign, the only way to sometimes come to a resolution is through violence. You know, and she, you know, tells Anna, trust no one, and is like, I'm not sure I would know how to do otherwise. Because that's how the Inquisitors roll. They don't trust mm-hmm. anybody. No, literally nobody. And, right, so it's hiding in your, like, yeah. So let's talk about that really quickly because I was not surprised necessarily. I was not necessarily surprised that that was Argento. I was surprised out of my fucking mind about the whole, he gave him the name Covenant. Especially when you look at the fact that he gave Asia her name Revelation. So... What does this mean for Covenant? Wild speculation time. I don't want him to be renewed. That made me so sad. I'd be a little crushed. And how effed up would that be? To have a renewed Inquisitor. I will say, though, I always thought his name was weird. At least now, at least now there's actually... Oh, it's a weird name, right? At least now there's an actual reason why he has this weird name. It's not that... John French was like, you know, pulling the names out of the hat and was like, this one sounds cool for an Inquisitor. Little on the nose, maybe, but sounds pretty cool. At least I know it's not that. Well, no, I thought Covenant was an established character. Um, uh, somebody's going to have to tell me if that's a thing or not, but I thought... I thought that I read that that was an established character from, like, one of the things. But anyways doesn't matter regardless it's still a weird name it's Estab- still a weird fucking established name. or not it just and for uh, an inquisitor it's very on the nose actually for it would actually make a lot of sense if it was established because it has all the subtlety we expect from games workshop corvus corax nevermore um but i like subtlety the idea. of a two by four exactly so that was one of the things that i because i think i even made a joke about this last podcast or the um when we talked about uh, the first book, I had mentioned that I was like, could he have been anything other than an Inquisitor with that kind of a name? I like the idea that he's given it this reason that, yeah, this is a made-up name. But why, though? Uh, does you know, this? Argento's... You know, his end game is now... You know, we, was, we were always wondering, like, what is Idris's end game? And we're still wondering what is her end game. But what is Argento's true endgame in all this? No idea. No idea. Um, what was he doing with Covenant? What does he want? Really? What does he really want with Inno? What's he gonna do when he finds out about that? Did he send Memnon on a fool's errand? What's the average rainfall in Brazil? I don't know. What's the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> African or European? <laughs> Um, I don't know that. 
so I mean yeah there's all of these there's all of these questions surrounding him and to your point like don't get me wrong I don't mind ending a book where I have a few questions but there were a lot in this book okay I got to the end it was like but it's not about ending the book with a lot of questions because we knew this was or we at least had an idea this was not going to be the final book but I'd like a book with a plot please because it just didn't seem to be one and and if there was one it was meandering and half of it didn't matter anyway so I can't really call that a plot I would actually call the plot if I had to point to the central plot of this book it would be who was in a guy rig my lassa goes on a journey to find out who in a guy rig is everything else that's happening around it is entirely superfluous or, I mean, I guess you could argue that the question is, who is in a Gyrid, and what is Idris's endgame with her? But we didn't need you guys two that's thirds like a quarter of, the book. of the book. Yeah, that's like a quarter, or maybe a third of the book at best. Right. Well, yeah, because you got to take in the Asia chapters too, so it's it's a third. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Then yeah, it's a third of the book. But so riddle me this, Batman. What the fuck do they go from here like okay so let's say the monastery is blown up that takes out covenant that takes out Kolik, that takes out orsino that really should take out joseph and agatha who i really like i liked her so too that then leaves team ship team dionysia <laughs> which is, i forgot that ship is an internet term for a second there uh that leaves team dionysia which is viola cleander severita uh, now bow apparently and uh and my lassa and i guess the chief medicaid she's wormed yes. her way into being a part of this so yeah by the way carbuncle is a disgusting word so when he kept describing her carbuncle eyes i was like you know is she a worshiper of nurgle anyways um so <laughs> None of those people are inquisitors, last I checked. Not even an interrogator? You didn't even have an interrogator. Nope. So now what we have is potentially the Antichrist <laughs> on board with a bunch of rogue traitors. And that's what traitor the? with a D, not a T-O-R. <laughs> right. Rogue traders who we have already established will pretty much do anything to get a bargain or to get their um, to get their dynasty back and they have the antichrist on board with them I feel like things are gonna go less than well except that you know that somehow covenant's not dead the question is who else lives with him well, so let me ask this. I thought divination, and I haven't really looked into this, even though I own the book. I haven't even looked at it. I thought divination was more a bunch of short stories about his entourage and less a progression of the story. I haven't looked much into it either. I am curious, though, because my limited edition came with the, an additional short story in the back Oh, about Joseph. I'm told from his well, point aren't of view. You fancy. So I'm curious if that same short story is in 
divination. divination. Mm, it could be. And I, I would have sworn, I guess I could look this up. I do have the most powerful information tool available. Uh, what is it? Div divination. I would have sworn that I read that it was just like a little bit of short stories. Maybe it's um, like the Magos. It's a bunch of short stories in a novella. Yeah, this, the, in this anthology are tales of the allies, rogues, agents, psychers, and killers who aid him in the battle against darkness. So, oh, well. Generic. <laughs> Quite generic, actually. Uh, let's see. Every tool is necessary in the war against chaos, and herein are 11 tales of such gifted, devout, and sometimes tarrying, terrifying individuals. So, it sounds like it's more of, like, background story and kind of like I would actually argue that this book was too because <laughs> this book was pretty much who was in a guy read and oh by the way do we mention that Viola and Cleander are kind of jacked up oh and Joseph's dying well we kind of knew Cleander was jacked up last book because they talked about his alcohol yeah. problem Cleander's got problems so does Viola though the life of a rogue trader is not easy especially a disgraced rogue trader which and actually... one that went to savant school. In case you didn't know, she went to savant school. Did she? Yeah. They mentioned it like been... once. That must have been hard. Um, tell me more. Um, actually, so one of the things that I would really like them to go into in Divination is how they become indentured to a Inquisitor. Because the document that gives rogue traders their power and their ability has to drop of the fucking emperor's blood on it. So, like, I'm just curious as to how that gets revoked. Maybe it has something to do with the Eldari technology on his back. I don't know. Anyways. I don't know where they go from here. And quite frankly, I'm at the point where, and I think we talked about this earlier, I don't want Covenant to be dead, but on the other hand, I'm gonna have a lot of questions if he survives. And if he survives because of some divine intervention, okay. But everyone else better be dead because then I'm going to still have questions. I managed to save only me and my three cohorts. Or does Idris, the one who somehow saves him? Oh, God. Watch it end up being interesting Covenant getting together to team up against Sargento. Can you imagine that awkward-ass conversation? Okay, A, sorry that I'm still alive. Awkward. But Argento's still alive. But I need you to not focus on that right now. <laughs> now I'm thinking of airplane. But that's not important right now. That's not important right now. Nor is the fact that you have the goddamn devil spawn on your ship. She's a nice devil spawn. So charming as was Thou. And that should have been my first tip. The fact that he was very charming and he was really cool... I guess my tip should have been and Viola was like I don't know you. I kept saying that over and over again just really really forcefully. I was like okay are we maybe we're not supposed to trust this guy at the outset. No. I guess that should have been our, our real tip. That should have been our first tip and I mean there were a variety of things actually that should have been the fact that he was really fast with his guns because you remember they talked about how really fast like Severita talks about how in a guy ridge she's like look Severita's like I move fast but this woman's unlike anything I've seen and they right. kind of talk about that with Belle when she throws the coins up in the air 
I kind of liked it though that she made him throw all of his coins. And that he was a generic ganger background, kind of. Like, they must all have, like, a same template. Like, um, what is that movie? Blade Runner. Where they all kind of have a generic template background. I kind of liked that idea. But I was also a little brokenhearted, too. But I have no idea where they go for here, from here. Like, Me neither. Okay. What do they do? What do Covenant, or what do uh, Cleander and Viola do? Just dust off and then hope you're going to find the nearest friendly inquisitor bar and be like we need a new inquisitor (laughs) is there places like that does that place rug traders can go and be like i need a new inquisitor we lost ours i have no idea but maybe it wouldn't surprise me i stumble across eisenhorn he's like funny story i need a ship and a crew that doesn't ask questions. That could be fun. So weird. Can you In imagine? a really weird way, but it could still be fun. Like the best crossover event ever. All right, let's make this or, happen. Let's make this happen. Or I, let's like, see. tucked into it. Maybe the Inquisitor from the Inquisitor from the uh, Grey Knight book, or no, nah. no. Hmm. Oh, there has to be another interesting. Oh, maybe the Inquisitor from um, Rachel Harrison's book. She she needs more crew, anyways. Uh, you know, after she lost her wife, she could she and Viola. I feel like could have a really good time together. Oh, you mean Mark of Faith? That yes. book. Oh my mm-hmm. god! But I hated her. She was an awful person. But you know what? I mean, maybe that's. What, oh, or maybe the maybe the Inquisitor from Rites of Passage. That lady was a badass. I'm sure that they could show yeah. up and be like, yeah, so um, our previous Inquisitor friend is gone, and she'll be like, I got you, fam. <laughs> she had a cool entourage, too. They could Yeah, just, she did know, have a cool entourage. Blend, and there you go. I don't know. Do you just put in a Craigslist ad? I don't know. I like to, I'd like to think that they go to their, you know, local pub. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, an RPG. You go... To your, you go to your guild lodge, put out an ad. I need LFD. a new clan. <laughs> LFD, we have a savant and a pilot. Need inquisitor. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, they, they really are almost a full party. You know, and just and ask the bartender if there's any news going on and go on some side quests for a little while. Do you have any rumors or news? Aye, we've got rumors and news. <laughs> The local shopkeep is up to no good, I tell you. Yeah, pretty much. That could actually be a lot of fun, I'm just saying. But, I mean, I got to the end of the book, it was like, okay, so like half the party got killed. Possibly. And they're like, important. And if they don't get killed, I'm going to be very, again, I'm going to be You want Covenant killed? He can't be killed. I don't want him killed. But when you set up a literal volcano explosion beneath his feet he better fucking be killed again to the soap dish argument her head was cut off he is he is dead he has ceased to exist he should be pushing up the daisies i have very strong feelings about this i don't think he's dead oh for fuck's sake i'm pretty sure he's not 
the reason if divination is not a continuation if it really is just a collection of short stories then we're gonna have to have a third book because there's too much left out in the open and yes it is called the Horusian wars and not covenants adventures but he is still like super important besides did you notice he had his own paragraphs of his point of view my god by the way that shocked me at the end there when all of a sudden they were like covenant did this and i was like whoa are we actually getting to see something from his point of view it wasn't that illuminating per se no but but, no it was because he actually talked about how for the first time in many years he was afraid yes it's true and he was talking about you know the and it wasn't just fear he was going to die it was the fear of failing again is what he kept saying um but again anyway he is still like the main character even though he is but he isn't he is the inquisitor in this whole thing so he has to live somehow he's he's the one with the badge everyone else is just super fun and super cool and can do all this stuff going to believe that before yakto burned away forever he somehow whisked them off the planet. It wouldn't be the best d- plot device, but there's got to be some way that they got off. At least Covenant got off. And if he gets off, it better be Judge Orsino, too. Mm. Oh, dude, if Orsino doesn't get with him, I'm going to be really angry because I loved that character. She was too awesome. And yeah. I'm gonna. You're not gonna like the next book, no matter what it sounds like. That's not true. Oh, whatever. You're gonna be mad if he's dead. You're gonna be mad. No. But you. But but then what's it gonna be about? It's not gonna be the same. So you're gonna be upset about that. You're gonna be mad if he stays alive. There's no pleasing you, woman. Oh no! I will only be mad if he's alive. I'm very curious as to where they're gonna go if he's dead. I have faith that Josh, uh, Josh Reynolds, that John, the next book is Josh Reynolds. I have very, I have good faith that John French will figure out something for them to do in the, with the lack of covenant. I'm concerned because I, at your point, the whole book situates around him. And the fact that Argento basically hand raised or clearly molded and formed this individual with a very certain purpose in mind makes me think he can't be dead which is going to irritate me so it better be something super compelling and interesting as to why he's off and not just oh right before i acted he bamped me off the planet anyways i would actually be okay with him being dead though because it would be interesting to see where they go from here what do they do i don't know what you do when you're beholden to an inquisitor and the inquisitor dies you know we had the same questions at the end of um the second vaults of terra book uh, Hollow Mountain. Remember at the end when Crowell is like, all right, you guys, I got to go and take some time to clear my head. We were like, what, what does an Inquisitor and an Entourage do without their... Actually, we made the same joke that what does she do? Does she just like well, put out a Craigslist ad? Go but on LinkedIn? But at least she's an interrogator. She's not, True. you know, totally, you know, this foundling who can't do anything on her own. I mean, like you said, she has the Imperial Fists on speed dial. So, you know, she, she's, I think that I see more of a success story than this without Covenant. 
Well, apparently Cleander has the Eldari on speed dial. He just needs to figure out how to, like, play his back in the right <laughs> tune. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, oh, that guy. He's got, like, adjust his spine like a TV bunny ears antenna. <laughs> got to get it just exactly. right. What if I asked who did that? What if with her playing with it, somebody all of a sudden was like, oh, shit, do you remember that guy? He's still alive? Oh, I guess still we should alive. go see what he's doing. Is he still working for an Inquisitor? That would be awkward. Especially if Covenant is still alive, the Eldari just show up. Be like, no, 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 we're here to help you. Yeah, that that could be interesting. I mean, at least Covenant's Malleus and not Xenos. True. Play with that a little bit. True, but can you imagine, like, if a Vrain or one of her people shows up and is like... Our bad. Oh my god. <laughs> Here we are to help you. So, I... The one thing I will say is this book read very fast. Because it was pretty thin. Which I cannot say. For our breezy beach reading. Man flare. At the size of this book, you guys. I'm really excited. But, um, actually... Oh, do I still have it out? No, I don't. I had held this up to the other... Uh, Fabius Bile books. He had some stuff to say in this one. I'm really excited. Yeah, this one's nearly 400 pages. But real quick, and go over like my one little question that I had. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With Orsino killing Sewell. Knowing what we know now, and knowing that Sewell was actually going to strike down the bishop, is it possible he knew what was actually going on? No. You don't think no, so? I don't think, no, he was panicking. He was straight up panicking. He was in flight or fight. And he was all the way flight. So that was him just being like, you are not telling me that I am not leaving. Because remember, she was like, you need to get a hold of yourself. Because the whole time he's like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. The Red Pilgrims are coming here. So no. But would he have been doing the world a favor? Arguably, yes. The volcano wouldn't have erupted. The volcano wouldn't have erupted, and I bet Memnon would have been a little harder pressed to figure out what to do if Zillida was dead. But the reason why I think he might have known... Yes, he was indeed panicking. He was not expressing... He was not using his words well. But the fact that he was looking at her and her response was anger and surprise. Not just, what the fuck are you doing? The anger is what kind of got me. It's like, that's interesting. And then looking back of what you find out she's really kind of a traitor. Uh, I was like, wow, did you know something? And did you know that we're all going to die if she lives? Did you know something about how it all works? I just don't think so. Because, I mean, nobody knew. The abbot didn't know. He didn't suspect. Clearly, Agatha didn't well, but suspect. Okay, but the abbot's on the lower end of the totem pole. This guy's the archdeacon. Or the, yeah, the archdeacon. Right. right, but you remember she says later when she's talking with Memnon, she's like, the secrets that I have kept and the lengths that I've had to go to. So, and remember that nobody knew about the child. They found a random dude's journal that has, like, hidden allegations to it. This is stuff that has been, like, deep state buried, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think he did. I think he was just in his flight or fight. I gotta get off this planet, and you are not gonna stop me. 
I don't know. Might be a little. He might have known. Could something. be though. Who knows? You know what? Honestly, either way, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. If some, if like, if John French was like, no, no, he totally knew. I'd be like, mm, makes sense. Seems legit. Seems legit. I mean, the corruption clearly goes deep on this planet. And the only way to get rid of it, I guess, was, the, was with the volcano. Yeah, I should say it went deep. Hmm. It no longer does. <laughs> deep because it's a volcano. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so this is our next book. The last. I look forward fab- to having this on a beach. Yes, because we will be on a beach next week. Damn, Skippy. And uh, together, <laughs> the book club is going on vacation. Uh, it was originally supposed to be Hawaii, but they say that Georgia is the Hawaii of, of the, the East United Coast, continental the United States. Literally, nobody says that. Uh, no, but it is an island. We are going to the Sea Islands. That's true. So it's going to be really exciting. And if this doesn't scream breezy beach read, I don't know what does. Right? This should be and on everybody's forward. beach reading list. Pretty much. I mean, it's like, you know, a Jodi Picoult book, um, the next Fifty Shades of Grey book, and Man Flayer. Top beach reads. Actually, I thought you were saying that this is like a Jodi Picoult book and the next Fifty Shades of Grey all in one, because that's not too far from the truth. That's not too far from the truth. It's going to be depressing, and there's going to be some kinky-ass shit going on in the background, mm-hmm. so... Seems legit. And a lot of medical stuff, because Jodi Picoult likes her medical dramas. Actually, I would be, like, I could have just imagined some of the Emperor's children reading Fifty Shades of Grey and being, like, fucking casuals. <laughs> this does not please Slanesh. True that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank I you all. So, yeah, thank you all for listening to the Warhammer 40k Book Club episode regarding Incarnation by John French. Be sure to join us for our next book, Man Flayer by Josh Reynolds. We are an unofficial book club and are not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and the podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you liked this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Don't forget, we also have a Patreon where we offer two different tiers of content for your viewing and listening pleasure. You can learn more about that at patreon.com slash wh40kbookclub. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Good night, everybody. Good night. of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.